Well, good morning, Cornerstone. It has been a long time since I've stood over there waiting for the singing to stop and walk up, up on, on stage here. And, and uh, you see our stage is lower? You notice that? I've been a lot of work in here in the last year. It is so good to be together. Um, and uh, one of the things we're going to talk about today is uh, from John 15 is loving one another. And one of the ways we do that is, is by loving each other. I, I know there's all these issues about masks and about social distancing and about vaccines and no vaccines. But at the end of the day, our heart is to love one another with that. And in some cases, that might mean taking your mask off. And in some cases, it might mean putting your mask on. But just, just so you know, our heart as Cornerstone is not to be uh, rigid or legalistic or fearful. It's to be loving. It's to be loving for one another, to one another. So, so let's, let's make sure we're doing that. Uh, it's a weird time. It's a strange time. And, uh, but we're slowly maybe moving out of that strange time, although I don't know that it'll ever not be strange again. Um, you know, we joked at the beginning about the new normal. Maybe this is the new normal. I don't know. I don't know. doesn't matter. We love Jesus. He loves us. And we're moving forward. The gospel has not been thwarted. We have not been told we can't preach it. And even if we had been told that, we would preach it. So uh, we're going forward. <laughs> well, we're continuing in our series today on, uh, called Bear Fruit. And uh, that's not like bear fruit, like an animal. Um, somebody pointed that out to me. It's bearing fruit. It's producing fruit. And we're studying John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those four chapters at the end of the book of John. Uh, Jesus' last teaching, his last words. Um, go ahead and, and turn to our text today, John 15, 12 through 17. Last week, Bob took us in the first 11 verses of John 15. Today, we're going to continue in John 15 at 12 through 17. In this passage, Jesus calls us his friends. Uh, interesting uh, title or interesting way to describe us. His, we are his friends. Uh, and, uh, you know, when you say friends in this culture, everybody thinks, oh, Facebook friends. How many Facebook friends do you have? Well, I have 4,258. And we're really close. And it's, th this is not the kind of friendship that, that John is talking about here, that Jesus is talking about here. Um, he's, friendship is a powerful thing. And being called God's friends is, is a bit mind-blowing. I mean, seriously, I am a friend of God? I mean, a child of God, yes, a servant of God, but a friend of God. And so I want to unpack that a little bit more this morning. Now, over the past few weeks, if we, if, as we have been studying John 14 in the first part of chapter 15, we've seen how our union with Christ is connected to us being invited into the, the unity of the Trinity. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are united in this eternal relationship. And as followers of Jesus, in some way we participate in that relationship. Now that, if that doesn't blow your mind, I don't know what will. That's hard, a hard concept for us to get our heads around. But Todd and Bob led us in seeking to understand it, that we are in this amazing union with Jesus Christ. We are loved with the same love that the Father loves the Son. And he can no more stop loving us as he could stop loving the Son. And that's never going to happen. So he's never going to stop loving us. And because we are loved in such a powerful, intimate way, 
then we can go on and love one another. Those of us in the family of God, and that's what, what, what Jesus is teaching here to his, to his disciples. There's just a, a, a few days before he's, he's killed and then resurrected. That we are to love one another. So let me read our text, John 15, 12 through 17, and then we'll get into it. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, it's interesting how this passage is bracketed by Jesus commanding us to love one another. He starts out in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another. How? In the same way that I've loved you. That's a pretty high standard. And then in verse 17, at the end of the passage, he says, these things I command you so that you will love one another. We are his friends, and we are to love one another. These are two truths, two connected biblical truths that I want us to explore this morning. First of all, this idea that we are God's friends, and then secondly, I want us to see how that truth impacts us loving one another. So let's talk about God calling us friends. Let's talk about the fact that God uses a word like friends, a concept like friends, to describe our relationship. Now, how does that sit with you? Does that bother you? We knew a guy years ago, there was some song, I don't remember what it was, but in the song it calls God our friend or we're his friends or whatever, and he would refuse to sing that song. It wasn't what a friend we have in Jesus. It was some other song. But he would refuse to sing it because he thought it was irreverent. He would say, no way, God is not our friend. We don't use the word friend with God. He is the holy, sovereign, majestic God. And yes, he is, and we better never forget that. But he says right here that he calls us his friends. So if the text says it, we got to go with it. So if this idea of friendship with God is new to you or, or perhaps you're uncomfortable with this idea, stick with us this morning because we're, we're going we're to unpack this. And, and it's a concept that Jesus uses to teach his disciples and to teach us. And it can be a powerful way to think about uh, how we relate to Jesus. And it's a powerful motivator to love each other well. Look at verses 14 and 15 again. You, Jesus is talking, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Jesus calls us his friends. But our relationship with God is so profound, so vast, so complex, so multifaceted, that the Bible gives us many different ways to express that relationship. And each, each facet, each aspect of how he explains our relationship unpacks a different aspect of that relationship. I was talking with Billy a couple weeks ago, 
And he shared with me something that his mentor had taught him about these different facets or these different aspects of our relationship with God and how the Bible unpacks them. And I have been absolutely um, just meditating and thinking about that uh, ever since we talked. And, And it comes to bear here as we look at this passage of Scripture. And I think if we see these different aspects, we'll we'll have a better understanding of what it means to be friends with God. One facet that Jesus references here in verse 15 is the the idea of servant master. We are servants of the Lord and master. He's called Lord, he's called master. The word Lord simply means master, and we are his servants. Paul calls himself a servant of Christ Jesus in Romans 1.1. And that facet of our relationship expresses or suggests obedience of doing what God asks us to do. Another facet of our relationship is that that God is our Father. We just sang, He's a good, good Father. And that we are His children. And there's a familial aspect of of our relationship here. Just as a, a good Father takes care of His children and provides security and support, so too does God. He's also the King, He's the King of Kings. And we are children of the King. You could say we're princes and princesses which suggests that we are heirs to royalty and we're heirs to the riches of Christ. Another facet is that Jesus is our good shepherd and we are his sheep. Psalm 100 says that we are the sheep of his pasture. This suggests that he cares for us. He leads us into green pastures. He he leads us beside still waters and he, he nourishes us and feeds us and takes care of us. Another facet of our relationship is he's called the potter. And I'm the clay. He is the creator and I am the created one. God has made me and you just how he wants us. He took a lump of whatever and he made this. And this is what he made. And that's who I am. Um, He made me an introvert. A lot of people don't believe that, but it's true. I am an introvert. And he made me that way. He made Billy and Terry extroverts and he made them that way. Sometimes I wish I was a little more of an extrovert, but... He's the potter. I'm the clay. That's how he made me. It suggests design and purpose. So I don't have to be, be, you know, I don't like who I am. Look, this is how God made me. He's the potter. I'm the clay. But in our text today, Jesus unfolds another aspect of our relationship that we are his friends. And this, this suggests closeness. A sharing of ideas. Think of your best friend and how you relate to that person. This is an invitation into the inner circle of the Trinity. The fact that we have access to the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit who lives within us. We are included. We are included in this relationship. And if we don't embrace this facet of our relationship with God or any of the others then we lose some of what God intended us to experience. To ignore or to neglect any of these facets, and I I really believe there's a lot more as you study and read Scripture, look for those comparisons of how God compares us to him and and the the terms he uses. If we ignore or neglect any of those, we're deficient in how we relate to God. And I... I honestly think that this friend aspect is one of the most neglected or maybe the most neglected. At least in my life, it's been that way. 
And we need to understand and embrace the absolute reality that the sovereign, holy, majestic creator God calls me his friend. Wow. Well, what does it mean that we are God's friend? What does, what does friendship with God even look like? Well, first of all, like I said earlier, we've got to look at the biblical de definition of friend, not the Southern California definition or the Facebook definition or any preconceived ideas of friendship you might have. The Greek word for friend here is the, is the word philos. It means beloved. It means dear friend. It means personal friend. Um, you may have had friends that hurt you or betrayed you or disappointed you. Probably every friend you've ever had disappointed you in some way. That's not the kind of friendship that God's talking about here. This is perfect friendship. This is friendship based on our union with Jesus Christ. The fact that the Father loves us with the same love which he loves the Son, that's the basis of this friendship. This friendship with God gives us access to the mind of Christ. It makes us part of the inner circle, if you will, along with the Trinity. It means that God loves us dearly, that we are his close friends. So mind-blowing. Well, I want to look at a couple of characteristics of friendships that might help us understand this. The first characteristic of this friendship, of a friendship, and that I think defines our friendship with God or should, is that friends know their friends' hearts. Friends understand each other. Friends understand their, each other's motives and purposes and values, at least to some extent. Well, being, being God's friend means that he tells us secrets. Now, doesn't that sound trite? Psalm 25, that we're going to get to in a minute, suggests that. He tells us mysteries so that we better understand his ways and his purposes. Of course, there are still plenty of mysteries and there are still plenty of unknowns and we'll never fully understand the mind of Christ. I don't, don't even think I'm saying that. But God has invited us into an intimate, personal friend relationship with himself. He is not some distant, unknown, abstract deity. For example, Dawn is my best friend, and I know her heart. I, I understand her, at least mostly, or at least partially. Um, she still surprises me sometimes. 38 plus years of marriage, still get surprised. And that means I don't know her as well as I thought I did. But that surprise helps me get to know her better, and I realize she is more complex than I thought. And the joy of that is I get the rest of my life and her life to keep working on it. And when one of us dies, we will not have mastered each other. But we keep moving that way. God calls us friends, and as his friends, at least to some extent, we understand him. We know his heart. We know what he wants us to do. We know he wants us to love each other and to bear fruit, what this whole series has been about. But he still surprises us sometimes, right? Don't raise your hand, but how many have been surprised by God? Okay, everybody put your hand up. Yeah, he, he does, like, nah, that's not what I was expecting. Just like with your spouse, if you're married. I was not expecting that. And that just helps us to get to know God better. And we realize that he is far more complex than we thought. And there are still mysteries because he is so far beyond us. And that's an aspect of God too. 
But he calls us his friends, his beloved, his close friends. And he tells us things about himself and about his purpose and about his plan. Look at verse, verse 15 of our text. He says to the disciples, for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Jesus taught his disciples everything that his father told him to. They knew him. They understood him because Jesus revealed himself to them. We've been given everything God wants us to know in this amazing book that we call the Bible. You might say we know the backstory, we know the motives, we know the purposes of God because he's revealed it in those, depending on your version, 11 or 1200 pages of text that reveal God's heart. Now notice how in verse 15, Jesus invokes another facet of, of the relationship we have with him where he says, uh, it's the servant master aspect. He says, no longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing. A servant doesn't know what the backstory is. A servant doesn't know what his master's purposes and motives are necessarily. He just does what he's told, no questions asked. A servant's task is to obey what he's been told to do. And there are certainly times in the Christian life when we just need to obey what God has told us to do, even if we don't understand. Just like with your kids. There's times you explain to your kids why it is they need to obey you in this particular area. You give them the reason why and they understand it. And there's times you say, because I said so. Right? There's times God says, because I said so. And there's times he says, this is my heart. These are the purposes I have. This is the reason I want you to love one another. This is the reason I want you to bear fruit. This is the reason I want you to go make disciples. James, in the book of James, he calls Abraham a friend of God. Not a common expression in the Bible. Same word for friend is here in John. James is probably referencing uh, the story back in Genesis 18 where God says, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? In other words, God wanted to reveal to Abraham his plan, his purpose, his will. He wanted to reveal to his friend Abraham what he was about to do. In this case, it was destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. In Psalm 25, 14, the text I mentioned earlier, it says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. Now, this word friendship's a different word. If you have an ESV, look at the note down below. I'm sure there's probably a note there. And it says, or the secret counsel. So this friendship has the idea of confiding in someone, of sharing special secrets with one another. And note that the part of the secret that God is revealing, part of what he's confiding into his people is his covenant, his will, his purpose, his plan, what he wants to do and how he wants to accomplish it. Because we are friends of God, he tells us things about his plan. Friends know their friend's heart. If your spouse is your best friend, if you're married, you know her or his heart. You tell each other secrets. You understand motives and purposes and plans. God's heart is that we bear fruit and that we love one another, that we make disciples, 
that we invest in other people's lives. That we do what we do for the benefit of others. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But there's another aspect of being friends that I want to talk about. What I might call, just take the initiative. Or in Nike terms, just do it. The idea here is that because friends know each other so well, they just know what their friend likes. They know what kind of gift to get them and they just do it. Or they know what their friend needs and they just do it. They take the initiative. Some years ago, we were going through a hard time uh, and a friend offered us their week and their timeshare. They didn't ask us, they didn't ask us if we wanted, they just said, here guys, here it is, take it. Here's the information, go, get away, rest, take a week. They knew we needed it and so they just did it. But all too often, I think we slip into the master-slave aspect of our relationship with God. Again, don't raise your hands, but think a little bit. How many of you have said something like this? God, if you just tell me what to do, I'll do it. All of us, right? Just tell me what decision to make. Just tell me, tell me what to do, and I will do it. And I get it. We want to obey God. We want to do the right thing. We want to do what God wants us to do. And, and it's just not coming clear. So God, tell me, and then I'll do it. But so often, he doesn't seem to answer us. And there's no clarity. And maybe it's because what God is doing in those situations Situations is he is invoking the friend card and telling us, act like my friend. Don't act like my servant. When we act like friends, we say, God, I know your heart. I know your mind. I know what you want. I've read your word. I've walked with you for a lot of years. So I will do what I know you want me to do. Now, that doesn't mean we don't pray for wisdom, that we don't seek counsel and advice of other godly people. But sometimes God just says, you know my heart. You know what I want. Just do it. There's a story from the life of Hudson Taylor, missionary to China in the 1800s, that I just love. When I read this story, it changed how I looked at life. I have shared this with numerous people over the years. I'm going to share it with you. At the time of the story, he had been leading the China Inland Mission for decades, maybe 50 plus years. And he had an important decision he needed to make about the mission. I mean, literally lives were at stake. I forget the exact details of the decision, but he prayed and he prayed and he prayed about this decision and he asked God what he should do. And as, he, his, as I read his journals and, and what he wrote about it, he said, God, God was not answering. There was no clear solution forthcoming. And he wrote, when I was younger, God would seem to speak more clearly. And, and, and he would tell me what I needed to do and I would do it. But now he's not answering. He's not making his will known. He's not making his will clear. And, and Hudson Taylor went on to, to kind of uh, understand what's going on. And he said, I think, I think the, what God is teaching me is that he's saying, Hudson, you've walked with me for decades. You have served me faithfully. You know my heart. You know my purposes. You know my plan. Make a decision. Just do it. Just make a decision. Do we know God as our friend so well 
that we're confident to make a decision, to make a choice, knowing that it is what God would want us to do. I've been a believer my entire life, basically. Saved at four, reaffirmed at 12, Bible college, the whole bit. Twice in my life has God spoken clearly and said, do this. Every other time, it's been, make a decision. Make a decision. Do we really need to ask God if we should love that difficult person sitting on the other side of the room? God, do I have to, should I love that person? Yes. You don't need to get, you know, a vision on that. Do I, do I need to ask God if I should love that difficult relative or that person in the other desk at work? No. His will's clear. His plan is very evident. You, you just do it. So here's, here's two characteristics of friendships that speak into us being friends with God. First of all, we should know God's heart, what he wants, what he's passionate about. That should be a lifetime goal is to search scriptures, to search and, and get to know him. And secondly, because we know God's heart, we can just make a decision in line with his will and desire. But I said at the beginning that there are two connected biblical truths that I want us to explore this morning. That was the first one, the truth that we are God's friends. The second one is understanding how that truth impacts us loving one another. Let's take a look at that. Jesus explains a couple of reasons why he has invited us into this friendship with him, why we are invited into the inner circle. First of all, so that we bear fruit that lasts, and secondly, so that we love one another well. That's why he's invited us into this friendship. Look at verse 16. This idea that we bear fruit that lasts. He says, you did not choose me, but I, appointed, but I chose you and appointed you that. I want to talk about that word that for a minute. It's a little Greek word, but it means so that, for the purpose that. This is the reason why. And so he's saying, this is why I chose you and appointed you and call you my friend, is so that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. And the second reason why he's invited us into this friendship is so that we love one another well. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that. It's the same Greek word. It means for the purpose that. This is my commandment, so that for the purpose that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than someone lay down his life for his friends. Look down at verse 17. These things I command you so that, same word, so that, for the purpose that, this is the reason why you will love one another. We are called the friends of God. We are invited into this inner circle of union with Christ, with the Trinity. We know the backstory and we know the heart of God so that we can share that same intimate friendship that he has given us, that we can share it with others. As he has invited us into that friendship, we extend it out to other people. In the same way that Jesus loves me, I am to love my brothers and sisters. Think about how Jesus loves me. He died for me. He sacrificed everything for me. He's given me all kinds of blessings that are beyond imagination. In that same way that he has loved me, I am to love others. We are called the friends of God 
so that we can extend that friendship and that love out. How horrible would it be to take all that God has given us and hoard it unto myself and say, no way, God can love me, but I'm not loving anybody else. Oh, I read, I'm reading through the Minor Prophets right now. And there's incredible judgment called down on Israel for their failure to love. Well, let's wrap this up. This reality that I am the friend of God has really impacted me over the last several weeks. I've studied this. I've thought about it. It has reshaped the way I, the, the, the way I spend time with God. It has, it is, I, I'm finding these relationship aspects in scripture as I read. Oh, there's pot and potter. Oh, there's creator created. Oh, there's sheep and shepherd. And I, and I keep seeing them like I never have before. And I hope, I hope you can take that perspective with you and, and do the same thing. Now, this is a, a couple, couple practical suggestions. This one's a very personal suggestion. This is something that I needed to grow in. I want to share it with you because maybe you need to grow in it too. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe you're good on this one. But uh, if you're pretty rigid, chill out. Loosen up. Let me explain. In my younger days, my, my spiritual disciplines, my prayer life were pretty rigid and pretty structured. I had a prayer book that was categorized by all kinds of things. This is pre-computer, so it was all handwritten. Um, I didn't like it, so I got a new one and started all over again. And I had it laid out and structured, and my prayer time was, I had to get up at a certain hour and spend time with God and do all this stuff. But as the years have gone by, I've loosened up. Not, not even... Not even uh, intentionally aware of this friendship aspect. But there's some days I get up and I make a cup of coffee and I sit in my lazy boy and, and God and I just talk. We just talk. Sometimes I feel bad that I didn't read my Bible reading for the day, but it's like, you know, we're, we're just friends. We're just talking. Dawn reminded me that early in our marriage, uh, we were praying together conversationally one time. And while I was praying, she took a sip of coffee and I scolded her for it. <laughs> How can you drink coffee when, we're in the when we are in the presence of a holy God? Yeah. I've loosened, I've loosened up. There's just a little insight into what she's had to put up with for 38 years. I was rigid and structured and I hadn't embraced being friends with God very much yet. So let me suggest that you pour a cup of coffee or make a cup of tea and just, just talk to Jesus as a friend. There are times to talk to him as master. And there's times to talk to him as shepherd. But make sure this friend aspect is part of your relationship. Be open and honest with him. Express frustration. Express doubt. Just like you would with the best friend. If, if it's possible in your situation, get somewhere where you can talk out loud and just, just talk to Jesus. Or maybe you walk around the backyard discussing the intricacies of a hummingbird. Jesus, how in the world did you make something so tiny that has so much energy? I wish I had one-tenth of that energy. Could you please inject it in me? Um, just, just like you would talk to a friend. Something else I started doing several years back was using the name Jesus more often. Lord was my preferred form of address, and it often still is. But Lord reflects master-servant. And that's okay. There's times for that. But again, not being conscious of this friend relationship so much, I just started 
calling him Jesus and talking to Jesus. And I think it changed, it changed how I saw him and it made it, the relationship a little more personal and a little more friend-based. And then one final thought. Think about how you can extend this friendship that we have with God, how we can extend this friendship to other people in our lives. How can we take the reality that God calls us his friends and, and extend it out to others? How can we take the fact that he's invited us into the inner circle of the Trinity and extend that to someone else? And by doing that, we love them well and we put Jesus on display well and we bear fruit and we love one another and we make disciples who are obedient. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you call me your friend. Thank you that this relationship that we have with you is so complex and so varied and so multifaceted that you give us many different ways to look at it. And each of those, each of those aspects, each of those facets unfolds a different part of that relationship. Thank you for that. And I pray that as we, as we go from this place, we would, we would embrace the reality that you have called us friends, that we have a friendship with the holy, sovereign, creator God. In Jesus' name, amen.